Good morning. It's good to see everyone out this morning. It's a joy to be here to worship with you all today. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles, if you will, to Exodus chapter 17. We're going to spend the majority of our time together this morning thinking about a story that's contained here in the pages of Exodus. We're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 17 in the midst of Moses's um, rule over the people as he is directing them at the behest of God and leading them along the way. But we see here in Exodus chapter 17, as we're given clues along the way, that while Moses is certainly the established leader chosen by God, he is also preparing the next generation of leader, and he is doing so with Joshua. And so Joshua is going to play an integral part of the story that we're going to read this morning. And it's actually his perspective in this story that I want us to focus on as we go throughout the lesson this morning. I want to begin by reading together, beginning in verse number 8 of Exodus chapter 17. And we're going to read together down through the end of that chapter. Exodus chapter 17, beginning in verse number 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim, and Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner, for he said, because the Lord has sworn the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So like I said at the outset of this, I want us to think about this story this morning from the perspective of Joshua. Joshua was told by Moses, get some people together, we're going to battle. You're going to lead these people into the battle, I'm going to take my rod and I'm going to go up on top of a mountain. That's what was told to Joshua. Now what transpired after that... It seems as if from the outside looking in that Joshua may not have been totally aware of what was going on on that mountain. Verse 14 says that God told Moses, hey, write this down, write down what happened so you can tell Joshua later about it. So I want you to think about this from the perspective of Joshua. We're able to read this whole story and see as Moses' hands are raised, God is leading Israel to victory, but as his hands get tired and they start to drop, Amalek begins to move forward against the nation. Joshua is on the battlefield. He's in the middle of it. He's leading the troops. What do you think was going through his mind as Amalek began to gain ground at points during the day? And then at other points during the day, 
Israel pushed back and began to win. And then Amalek would come back. Joshua was out there in the front lines, leading his troops to the best of his ability, fighting against this, this nation. All the while, when Amalek progresses, it's because Moses' arms are getting tired. And when Israel advances, it's because Moses' arms are being supported. There was an entire battle being waged that Joshua had nothing to do with. There was a war going on behind the scenes that didn't involve Joshua and the warriors on the front lines at all. And victory and defeat was not going to be determined by the strength of the armies. Victory and defeat was going to be determined on that mountaintop and by God. And Joshua, the leader, Joshua, the boots on the ground, the one on the front lines, it seems as if he was not only unaware of all that was going on, but his role in the outcome was trivial at best. So this morning, I want to ask you to try and think of yourself and your life from the perspective of what Joshua was experiencing in Exodus chapter 17. It is easy for us to get lost in the daily battles that we fight. The battles that we fight against grief, against temptation, against loneliness and sadness and depression. The battles we fight against anger and laziness and all of the different things that we have to go to war against day in and day out. And oftentimes we lose sight of the fact that there is a war being waged behind the scenes on our behalf that we sometimes lose sight of and forget about. It's in the same way that God was at work behind the scenes in Exodus chapter 17 in ways that maybe Joshua didn't fully understand until a later time. God is at work behind the scenes in our lives in ways that we may not fully understand. So this morning, there's three aspects of this that I want us to consider, and hopefully we can gain some encouragement as we think about this, putting ourselves in the shoes of Joshua, so to speak. And the first one is that we have to remember that God is using other people to help us. Again, think about Joshua the one with the sword in his hand, the one who is directing the troops. He is the one that everyone would look to and say, he's the one who has to be responsible for how this battle is going to go. He's the leader of the army. He's at the front of the line. He he is the one who is responsible for all of this. The reality is nothing could be further from the truth. He had very little to do with the outcome. So it is that when we are in the midst of it, 
when we are consumed with the things that are right in front of our face, the, the challenges, the temptations, the emotions that we're feeling, we can lose sight of the fact that we have an army ready to fight for us. How many times have you asked a brother or sister to pray for you about something? Perhaps you've asked large groups of people to pray for you about something. Now you may still have to be the one who day by day has to confront whatever it is that you're dealing with. You're still, like Joshua, going to be boots on the ground having to deal with it day in and day out. But God's warriors have taken up the mantle for you. Never lose sight of the power behind that. It wasn't Joshua's leadership that led Israel to victory. It was what was taking place up on that mountain. When you're in the middle of life's trials and you reach out to God's people to support you and to pray for you and to help you along the way, don't lose sight of the power that's involved in that. Just because you may not see the prayers that are being offered on your behalf does not mean that they aren't being offered. You may not see the prayers that are being prayed in the privacy of one's own home on your behalf. And God and that individual are going to war for you in the spiritual realm. That is power and that's where victory is found. So you may feel as if you are continuing to have to fight some of these battles by yourself. But just look around this room. You have warriors at the ready to approach the great God in prayer on your behalf. Utilize that and never forget the power that's found there. It's almost, I have to imagine, I have to imagine, if, if this in fact plays out the way that it seems as if it did, where Joshua was at least on some level unaware as to all that was going on, I wish I could have been there for the conversation between Moses and Joshua after all this was over. As Joshua walks up to Moses, we got him, we got him. Moses is like, yeah, I, I want to tell you a story about how we got him. I have to imagine if, if we could have conversations with God and we're able to share some of our victories in this life with him, the stories he could tell about what happens behind the scenes, things that we don't even know or are aware of that would just blow our minds. To think about things that we have been able to overcome, temptations that we have been able to overcome, or, or grief that we have been able to work through. I would love to know how many prayers have been offered on my behalf that I'm not aware of. I would love to know how God has worked in and through my brothers and sisters on my behalf 
that this side of eternity I may never understand. But I have to have faith and confidence that it's happening and that it's powerful and that it's real. Joshua got to potentially experience that in a very physical, real-world situation. And stories like this should give us courage that the same happens in our lives today. As our brothers and sisters are here to help us, here to fight for us, here to approach God in prayer on our behalf, and to help us through the trials of life when we may not even be aware of what's taking place. Along that same train of thought, the the second point that I want us to consider this morning is God's plan for us. And the reality that his plan is at work even when we don't see it or understand it. Again, whether or not Joshua was fully aware of what was happening up on that mountaintop, God's plan was progressing the way that he intended it to. And nothing was going to stop that. No matter what Joshua did on that battlefield, that was not going to stop God's plan from progressing. And the same is true in our lives today. There's going to be things that that we don't understand. There's going to be things that, that we can't fully grasp as to how God is working or if God is working. Or this doesn't seem to make sense to me. I don't understand what's going on. Okay. That's okay. That's where faith begins. If God didn't leave anything unknown to us, there would be no need for faith. And so it is in those moments when I don't fully understand how God is working in this situation. It is in those moments when I I can't fully see the plan that he has for me moving forward. That's when I am called to faith and to trust him. And to know that he wants good for me. And that regardless of what happens to me in this physical world, he has a home waiting for me in heaven. And I am confident of that and I live my life believing that. In Jeremiah chapter 29, there's a a, a famous passage in which this very idea is set forth. Listen to what Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah chapter 29. Again, being led by God as he prophesies to the people of Israel at the outset of their Babylonian captivity. Beginning in verse number 10 of Jeremiah 29, he says, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. The people that Jeremiah was writing this to hadn't even begun to experience what the next 70 years was going to be for them. 
They were on the very outset of this captivity. They were concerned about their homes. They were concerned about their families. They were concerned about their livelihoods. They were in the middle of it. And Jeremiah tries to point them to the reality that God has a plan for you. Now, I understand where you are right now. You may not fully understand it, but God has a plan for you. And here potentially is even the harsher reality of this. Some of the people that Jeremiah wrote that to, many of the people that Jeremiah wrote that to, would never see the fulfillment of that prophecy. Many of them would die in captivity. They would never experience God fulfilling what Jeremiah had written to them, of bringing them back and restoring them, bringing them out of captivity as he promised. Many of them would never experience that. They would die in captivity. That does not change the fact that God has a plan. That does not change the fact that God wants good for them. It does not change the fact that God was there. For you and I, we have to realize that this life that we live, this life is very temporary. This life is very fragile. And we live in a very broken world in which bad things happen. None of that changes the fact that God has a plan for us. None of that changes the fact that God wants good for us. None of that changes the fact that He has an eternal home in heaven waiting for those who are His. So even when we don't understand it, even when we can't see it, God's plan is progressing as He wants it to. That should give us confidence, that should give us hope, and it should give us peace, even if we never fully understand it. I want you to think with this last point about the story of Job, a very easy connection to make to this type of a lesson. Because we are given the behind the scenes of that story, a picture that Job isn't given, a conversation between God and Satan that Job isn't privy to. And he had to go through so many trials, so much grief and sadness and pain and suffering. And even at the very end, he's never told why all of this happened. He's never given Job chapters 1 and 2. But at the end of his story, we see a man whose faith is strong. We see a man who's been through the trials. He's been through the ringer. But he comes out on the other side with his faith intact, and he's able to find peace and comfort because of the God that he serves even when he doesn't fully understand what's been going on behind the scenes. 
I, I want so badly for all of us to be able to experience the peace and comfort of being a child of God in the midst of hardship and struggles and trials and grief. And when I look out at the world around us who doesn't have that relationship with God, it brings me great sadness to think about the ups and downs that they must ride throughout this world, throughout this life. But it is the anchor that we have in our Lord that in those moments gives us peace and comfort regardless of what's happening around us because we know that he has a plan for us and because we know that he is faithful because we know that he is righteous. And so we can trust in him even in the midst of those trials. And not only can we get through them, but in the midst of them, we can actually have peace and comfort. Because we know that he is there, and we know that he is the one who provides us with real peace and real comfort that can see us through the challenges of this life. We experienced some pretty strong storms around here on Friday night. Some of them led to tragic consequences. My daughter was awake and scared in the midst of those storms. I'm sure you probably had some kids who maybe were as well, or maybe you were. I was a little nervous at times during some of them as well. And it's in moments like that where this point becomes something more than just words on the screen behind me. Because I can't control the storms. And all of the technology that we have, all of the advancements that we've made, nothing can stop it. And I'm sitting there in my home like you were sitting there in your home. And if these storms get bad enough, there's nothing I can do about it. But it's in moments like that where certainly there is concern to be had and there are preparations to be made. But it's in moments like that where a point like this comes to life. Because I don't know what's going to happen when storms like that come. I have to wait and see just like everybody else does. But I can still have comfort. And I can still have peace. Because I serve a God who has promised me much more than what this physical realm offers. And so if tragic consequences come... Grief would follow, sorrow will follow, but peace and comfort can remain. Because I may not fully understand it, you may not fully understand it, but God does. 
There, there is nothing that he is unaware of. Joshua may have been unaware about some things. You and I may be unaware about some things. There is nothing that God is unaware of. He is always present. He is always ready. And he always has a plan. I want you to look back with me as we begin to wrap things up this morning at the reading that we had just a moment ago from Psalm 27. This passage of scripture is, is such a powerful psalm written by David. I want to read that with you again as we close. Beginning in verse number 11 of the 27th Psalm. Thinking about this now in the context of everything that we've been talking about this morning. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. There are a lot of unknowns in life. There are a lot of trials that every single one of us is going to face. We have each other to lean upon. We have access to the throne of God to take those concerns and those trials. But ultimately, we are asked to wait on the Lord. We are asked to put our trust in Him. I think about the life of David, and obviously he was a great warrior, he was king, he was... He was a great man, but he also spent a lot of his life on the run. He spent a lot of time hiding in caves, running from Saul, running from Absalom. There was a lot of uncertainty in the life of David. There were a lot of times of unknowns that lie ahead for him. But yet he was a man who could pin words like, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. He was a man who in the midst of those trials could write, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. Trust that God is working in ways that we may not understand. And work daily to strengthen our faith and strengthen our resolve to put our hope in him and to find the peace and the comfort that only he can provide. Because if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, as I mentioned a moment ago, without that relationship with God, I am truly sorry. I am truly sorry what you may experience in this life. Because while tragedy comes to all of us, sickness comes to all of us, 
difficulties come to all of us, as Christians, we have hope. We have confidence because of the God that we serve. But in the absence of that, in the absence of that, this life is going to be very difficult. And this life is ultimately going to be tragic. But God has extended to all of us an opportunity to be a child of his, to to come into relationship with him, to have our, our sins washed away so that we can have hope of heaven, so that in the middle of our trials we're able to look above all of that and see what's waiting for us on the other side. That's the beauty of the gift that God is extending to each of us. So if you're not a Christian this morning, I would encourage you to think about that. Think about the hope, think about the peace, think about the comfort that God is offering you in a relationship with him in which your sins have been forgiven. And your hope for a home in heaven is strong. If you have become a child of God, but you have wavered in that hope, you've wavered in that faith. Maybe the trials of life have thrown you off balance and you've lost sight of what the Lord is doing in your life and the ways in which he wants to be there for you and the plan that he has. He is long-suffering and he is patient and he is waiting for you to come back to him to restore that relationship so that you can walk out these doors ready for whatever may come your way. If we can help you do that or if we can help you become a child of God this morning, please come to the front and let us know as we stand.